You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular. The guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Here's the story that should have happened. Svetlana Aleluyeva flees the Soviet Union, memoir in tow, launches a madcap multi-country defection, negotiates a record-breaking book deal that gets her to America, and arrives with fanfare at JFK. I'd like to introduce Mrs. Svetlana Aleluyeva. We'd like to say a few words to you all. Triumphant music plays. Everybody cheers. And we fade to black. Credits roll. But I hate to break it to you, this happiness is not going to last. And the chaotic journey that follows her triumphant arrival is the one we're going to go on. Just a few days after landing, Svetlana gives a press conference at the Plaza Hotel with 400 reporters crammed into the chandeliered, colonnaded terrace room eager to learn every detail of her wild defection. It needs a long ex explanation. And um, I hope you will uh, read my book this autumn and many things you will find there. My only plan is to live without any political activities here and to do my work, which is writing, which I am happy finally to be able to do. Peace, quiet, writing. Will Svetlana finally get the life she's been yearning for? Or will she be tormented endlessly by an American media that turns against her, by the silence of her children who she left behind, and by the rejection of a new lover which leaves her devastated beyond belief, such that this mild-mannered middle-aged woman ends up standing outside in the middle of the night in the middle of New Jersey, bashing her fist through a window, shattering the glass, and screaming at the top of her lungs covered in blood? My name is Dan Katroser, and this is Svetlana Svetlana. Wake up in the morning, you live your day, and then you do it tomorrow, and over and over again. 
Act 1. Lost in Translation. After the high of her insane escape wears off, Svetlana is left to grapple with a stark new reality. She's a former princess in a new country, on her own for the first time in her life, without her friends, and most painfully, without her children. They knew nothing about my plans. We lived a very good uh, life. We were attached to each other. It was quite difficult for me to decide to leave them. I hope that they will understand me. Svetlana writes to her 21-year-old son, Yosef, and 16-year-old daughter, Yekaterina. She desperately hopes they'll understand why she had to leave. After she's landed in America, Yosef sends back a letter that essentially says, fuck off. Or as he puts it, I hope from now on that we shall be allowed to arrange our own lives ourselves. Sorry if I sound like a Soviet lesbian. Look, I get it. If my mother fled the USSR and left me and my sister behind, I'd say, Diane, what the hell were you doing in Russia? And I have a sister? But what must that have felt like to have your own children disown you, even if you're the one who left them? Making matters worse, back in Russia, the KGB seizes personal items from Svetlana's apartment, heavily surveils her closest friends, and pushes her children to publicly denounce her. She is inadvertently hurting the people she loves most. Things in America aren't going much better. Svetlana signing documents and publishing contracts she doesn't understand. She's told she can't work with her translator of choice because she might end up in bed with him. Here she is talking with biographer Meryl Seacrest on the world's tiniest microphone. It is part of her psychic imbalance. You know, that she's after every man. And so, I mean, which was frightening. That is very frightening. But it's insulting. Weren't you insulted? Oh, I was was mad like hell. Svetlana begrudgingly agrees to work with her publisher's translator of choice, an American named Priscilla Johnson McMillan. Svetlana doesn't yet have a permanent place to stay, so they can live and work together for a few weeks at Priscilla's father's house on Long Island. So, who is Priscilla Johnson McMillan? Well, she's an American journalist, translator, and historian who spent a lot of time covering Soviet politics. And, according to the New York Times, she is also the only known person to have, quote, conversed extensively with both JFK and his assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald. Seems like a pretty cool person, right? I bet Svetlana had a great time with her. Stupid woman who was my pain in the neck, Priscilla Johnson. Priscilla Johnson, yeah. Who was not a qualified translator at all. I see. (gasps) I've heard that Priscilla and Svetlana's time together wasn't exactly peachy. So wouldn't it be cool if I spoke to Priscilla? to paint a picture of the time they spent translating Svetlana's book? Wouldn't it be fabulous for me as a writer to get insight from another writer's process of editing and translating my protagonista, especially if they sparred? Well, I called Priscilla to ask her to be in my podcast. As a playwright who'd never done anything like this, I was incredibly nervous. When she picked up, I hadn't hit record yet, and she asked if I was a woman. I am a man, <laughs> and I have to tell you, um, I have a very high voice. <laughs> um, well, that's 
fine. It doesn't matter at all. We spoke pleasantries for a while, and she agreed to be interviewed. But I didn't want to dive in just yet. She really is a worthy subject, and uh, I, I know you'll do it justice. Well, thank you so much, and I look forward to our next conversation. I really do. When we get to talking about Svetlana, I get nervous. I talk about some far-off, distant time when we'd actually get into all the nitty-gritty details. To what extent was she the master of her fate? And to what extent was she just um, propelled, catapulted, I don't know the word. Oh my God, Priscilla, I am so excited to interview you. You, you have no idea. You have no idea. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> So in summary, if you, like me, are actually afraid of podcasting, just tell your sources to save it for the formal interview. Yeah, so we're, we're confirming, we're in the process of confirming a time she is... So, so there I was, with hours of phone calls and dozens of scheduling emails and nothing really to show for it. But I knew the next time we talked, yes, the very next time, I'd finally get the goods. And then... Historian Priscilla McMillan died July 7th, just short of her 93rd birthday. Oh, fuck. When I heard the news, I was sitting in my apartment in Portland, Oregon. Of course I was sad that this lovely and seemingly beloved woman I'd been corresponding with for months had died. But also, the overriding feeling I had at that moment was shame. I didn't get the scoop. I'm not a podcaster. I'm not a journalist. I'm no biographer. Svetlana ultimately didn't think Priscilla was qualified to tell her story. But to be fair, I doubt I would have done a better job. I don't even speak Russian. When the translation is finished, Priscilla and Svetlana part ways. Svetlana leaves Long Island to spend the summer on a secluded farm in western Pennsylvania where she can try again to grasp that peaceful, quiet, writerly life. The farm is owned by George Kennan, a major American diplomat credited with being the architect of the Cold War. He was also the key fixer in getting Svetlana to the States. Svetlana is ready to get off the map and hang out with Kennan's daughters, Grace and Joan. And fortunately for us, these two women are 100% alive. Here's Joan. She enjoyed being out in the country, she so enjoyed not being harassed by people. Joan and Svetlana became close that summer. Joan's sister Grace, on the other hand, says she ended up tending to Svetlana's every need and resenting her for it. Of course, I had very little time to talk to Svetlana. My dream of she and I were going to have these long, wonderful... I had brought a notebook. I was going to write in it every night. Well, needless to say, the notebook remained empty. And Svetlana was quite a demanding house guest. She was a vegetarian and wanted pear brandy. And if she didn't get what she wanted... And much as she liked to disconnect herself from her father, she had some similarities. This is a recurring theme and part of why I find Svetlana so fascinating. She can leave people with wildly different tastes in their mouths, like a Soviet cilantro. That summer, while Grace was playing Cinderella downstairs, Svetlana would disappear up to her bedroom, the whole third floor to herself, sweltering in the summer heat as she worked on her writing. When she'd emerge, she and Joan would sip tea on the porch and pick vegetables in the garden, 
And as Joan's kids played, Svetlana would talk about how she missed her own children terribly back in Russia. I mean, there has to be the guilt of having you know, left your children. But at the same time, she felt strongly she'd done the right thing for her. But even though she has come to the Kennan farm to privately ready her memoir for the world and grieve her kids in peace, do you think the American media leaves her alone? They do not. At one point, they said she would have been committed to an insane asylum. Svetlana learns from the press that she'd worn the diamonds of the Rovanovs. She didn't. That her father had left her riches in a Swiss bank. He hadn't. That she'd partaken in, quote, passionate affairs with orgies. Never happened. The KGB gives Svetlana the nickname of Kukushka, meaning cuckoo bird. And Soviet Premier Alexei Kasigin declares her an enemy of the state at a UN press conference in New York. Aleluyeva is a morally unstable person, and she's a sick person. This time period is incredibly unnerving for Svetlana. She's getting a nasty taste of the real world, and she needs to do something about it. One afternoon on the farm, Svetlana asks for lighter fluid and goes over to the barbecue. Then, in front of a small crowd, she dramatically throws her passport onto the flames, declaring, I am burning my Soviet passport in answer to lies. Every day, it seems, she is shedding more and more of her past life. Here's Grace. When she put on a white dress, she twirled around in the garden with a little jar collecting fireflies. She said, I'm free, I'm free. Free as she may be, Svetlana is not in charge of the narrative. She had wanted to be the writer of her own story, but now she's a character for others. Not only are rumors spreading that she's mentally imbalanced, but the New York Times starts serializing chapters of her forthcoming memoir with sensational headlines like How My Mother Killed Herself and My Brother Dies in Disgrace. True, the best marketing move would be a tell-all about life inside of the House of Stalin, suicide, murder, abuse. But that's not the book Svetlana is writing. It's called 20 Letters to a Friend. It's an intimate love letter to Russia, to her childhood, the subtle growing understanding that her father was the head of a horrible state. Svetlana had given up her children to tell the story of her family. She got her book out to the world, but so quickly, she lost control. Now she's houseless, isolated, and alone. And if you want to know what state that leaves her in, I can answer it for you in two words. New Jersey. After the break. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Act 2. I Don't Consider Myself a Writer In October of 1967, Svetlana grants a rare TV interview to promote the release of her book on national education television. You plan to settle down in a home of your own before long? Oh, well, maybe. Maybe. What about your future, personally? Do you expect to continue writing? Do you have another book in mind? Have you started work on another book? No. I didn't begin to write it, but I'm thinking about it because I still have many things to say and many things to write about, although I don't consider myself a writer. Oh, girl, I've been there. For years, I shied away from calling myself a writer. When people would ask me what I did, I might say I write, but then I'd be sure to qualify it by the jobs I had that made money. Bookstore clerk, children's birthday party host, professional frog storyteller. That's right, that's right. Frogs go, rrrr, Do you want to know why I roll my R's? Why I go, rrrr, This existential anxiety even made its way into the play I wrote about Svetlana. Well, technically, it's a play about a playwright writing a play about Svetlana. Here's me and my friend Cassie rehearsing that scene. Say, I'm a playwright. I'm a playwright. Louder! I'm a playwright! I'm a playwright. 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 So many of us ask permission to write. It took Svetlana 41 years to ask the world to call her a writer, and she still couldn't even say it herself. But still, from her book advance, she gets a bunch of money. And with that money, Svetlana decides to finally settle down in a home of her own after bouncing around for months. She goes for a pre-furnished house in Princeton, New Jersey. It's a smart choice. Princeton is its own academic enclave, reminding Svetlana of her circle of friends back in Moscow. But Princeton can also be a cold, stuffy, classist place, like Tucker Carlson's asshole with more bow tie. She wrote her first book in secret in Soviet Russia. It was immediate and thrilling. Now she's in the suburbs of New Jersey, free to do anything she wants. It's a new kind of writer's block. She has all the time and freedom and money that she could ask for. But how on earth to begin? Well, friends, luckily there's nothing that unlocks those creative juices 
like falling in love, which is exactly what happens next. The man who captures Svetlana's heart? An American journalist named Louis Fisher. At 71, Louis Fisher is 30 years older than Svetlana. He's written more than 20 books and rubbed elbows with everyone from Ernest Hemingway to Eleanor Roosevelt to Winston Churchill. During Stalin's rise, he'd lived in Russia and worked as a foreign correspondent. And when Svetlana meets him in Princeton, he's coming off the high of winning a National Book Award for The Life of Lenin. It's hardly surprising that Fisher would go after Svetlana. The man was a major Russophile. And it makes sense that Svetlana would go after Fisher. He was, to quote Ron Burgundy, a very big deal. In my humble opinion, Lewis and Svetlana's relationship is fucked up and makes me mad. My producer Allison found a bunch of Svetlana's letters to Fisher at the Princeton archives and got a little obsessed with unpacking all of the well-documented weirdness. All right, Allison, why why are you obsessed with these letters? It feels a little bit like walking into a room you're not supposed to be in. Like, they're very intimate. You'll see. We'll get into it. Svetlana first meets Louis Fisher at a dinner party at the Kennan's Princeton home in the fall of 1967. He shows her around, takes her under his wing. He's intensely charming. It doesn't take long for Svetlana to fall for him. And within a few months, things become pretty intense. And maybe we should start by just talking about the day that everything changes. The day of Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. April 4th, 1968. At the height of the civil rights movement, the Nobel Prize-winning preacher was standing on his hotel balcony in Memphis, Tennessee, when he was struck by a bullet and murdered. It was the kind of harrowing and tragic event that was violent and political and deeply personal for so many, including Svetlana. There is a memorial in the Princeton Chapel. Louis Fisher takes Svetlana and she writes how these big traumatic events in life have the capacity to bond us forever in these beautiful ways. She claims it was like the union of their souls, like that was them getting married. Here's my friend Cassie again. She plays Svetlana in my play and she'll read Svetlana's words in this podcast. Sitting there together, feeling together, listening to the immortal words of Old and New Testament, I had a strange feeling. It was like as if we were joined together as never before. We were blessed in the chapel that day by the priest Martin Luther King. It was our wedding. The union of two souls to be always together to do only good to each other. Unfortunately, Louis Fisher does not share in Svetlana's intense affection. And I should also mention, Fisher had written a biography called The Life and Death of Stalin. And now he's writing a book about Soviet foreign relations. So is he actually interested in Svetlana Aluyeva? Or is he just using her? Svetlana doesn't see the red flags. She is swept up in Louis Fisher's intellectual charm. What's more, he gives her encouragement and validation as a writer. You have a long, strong habit of writing for perhaps 
40 years or so. That is as long as my whole life. I need help. Your presence, even a silent one, is a great thing. It helps in so many ways and so much. She sees him as this mentor figure at this kind of pivotal point in her career as a writer. And she asks him for help. So she's really staking her claim in two spots. She wants the boyfriend and she wants the mentor. I know enough about Svetlana to know that that's not going to work out for her because she's been in this place looking for this combination of affection and validation before. And it didn't end well. Flashback, Moscow, 1942. 16-year-old Svetlana was at a party in the Kremlin when a successful 38-year-old filmmaker named Alexei Kapler asked her to dance. I wanted to put my head on his shoulder and quietly close my eyes. That evening, we reached out to each other. We were no longer strangers, but friends. And thus began a covert, chaste affair between a schoolgirl and a much older artist, exchanging forbidden books and movies, sharing their pain and loneliness. Depending on how you look at it, Kapler was Svetlana's first great love, or her first great predator. Either way, his impact on her was profound. He shaped my mind, and my father knew that. Uh-huh. That this man has stolen his, his, his dear daughter. His child, yeah. He knew that. Yeah. He even told me, I think you can write. I think you will write. In the end, the newspapers got wind of their secret relationship, and Stalin was apoplectic. For the first time ever, he smacked his darling little sparrow. He called her a whore and a fool. Kapler was sent to the Siberian gulag, and Svetlana was alone ashamed and destroyed. So this was Svetlana's formative early romance, one that surely colored her later relationships. She seems to always find these types and fall for them too fast. Brilliant older guys who encourage her to find her voice, but have their own agenda. And that was certainly the case with Lewis Fisher. I wanted to know more about Svetlana and Lewis Fisher's relationship from someone who'd seen it, So we track down Fisher's former assistant, a woman by the name of Deirdre who lives in the Pacific Northwest. I dialed her number and left a message. A few days later, I got this voicemail back. Hello, this is Deirdre returning your call about Svetlana. Uh, I didn't know her very well, but she was nutty as a fruitcake, as you probably know from your research. Um... This will probably be a very sad, painful conversation. I hope you have time to bear with me. Uh, The whole thing was just such a mess. Deirdre was right. This whole thing was a mess. When we come back, it's going to get bloody awful. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Act 3. A Pain in the Glass Before I take us whitewater rafting down the river of broken hearts, I want to be clear. I'm telling you about this doomed love affair not just to gossip, but because this episode is about Svetlana fighting to manifest her long-held dreams. In her pursuit of creativity and authorship, Svetlana looked to male mentors time and again for guidance— and with the notable exception of her husband, Brijesh Singh, who helped her smuggle her manuscript out of Russia and into India, they always let her down. All right, back to Princeton, 1968. Svetlana is falling hard for her mentor-slash-lover, Louis Fisher, except that this whole time Fisher is with Svetlana, the man is 100% married, with children. And I can't say for sure how many other women were in the picture, but I will say that Louis Fisher seemed to collect women like I collected troll dolls in the 90s. I had one dressed as a wizard. Here's Allison again, talking about some of Fisher's raunchiest love letters. There's one letter on Kama Sutra letterhead. One of my favorites is actually quite elegant, I think. There's a woman, and she says, come over one afternoon and tell me how horrible you are sometime. So Lewis is, evidently, prolific. And while it seems like everyone involved is clear-eyed about what's going on, it also seems like Svetlana really believes they have something deeper, something unique and their own. You do not need a mistress. Forgive my vulgar words. Neither I ever looked to find a lover. We both need something else. Warmth, friendship, understanding. But as Fisher pulls away, Svetlana's letters get desperate, pleading. 
She doesn't want to see him. Wait, never mind. She does. She's sorry. Actually, no, she's not. Caps lock. Exclamation points. Chaotic scribbles in the margins. At one point, things get so bad that Svetlana writes she can't sleep without tranquilizers. All of this could lead some to think that this is an unstable person. But Svetlana's also living an unstable life. She's trying to make a home as quickly as she can, desperate for anything that would resemble a family. So maybe when her relationship falls apart, it would make sense that she'd be, well, a little senseless. It's the kind of character I'm starting to understand, the kind I want to write. Or rewrite, because I'm on draft like 972, and the play is supposed to go up soon. I'm a playwright! By the fall of 1968, things are tense. According to Deirdre, one evening, it all comes to a head at Fisher's house. I was over at Mr. Fisher's house, and he was kind enough to let me use his bathtub. I hate showers, and it was a big treat for me to be able to use a bathtub. So Svetlana shows up to retrieve her letters and other belongings, and she absolutely loses it. Knocking and storming on the door with Svetlana and hysterics and tears. She wanted the presents back that she gave him. Apparently, he tried to break it off with her. And uh, she busted the door and the screen, and Mr. Fisher called the cops, and I wasn't able to do much. I was in the bathtub. Svetlana had pounded on the front door and then circled round the back and bashed in a glass window. Her hands were covered in blood. And the cops came, the neighbors had called the cops and took her down to the station and booked her. And the whole thing was just, you know, what this woman could have hysterics and weep buckets at the drop of a Kleenex. I thought, I thought that she was just much. Talking with Deirdre was both exhilarating and uncomfortable. I wanted to know all about Svetlana's relationship with Fisher, and I think I really got there. I listened to Deirdre as she recounted this low point in Svetlana's life. I got the story. I felt like a real podcaster. I felt proud. And now... I feel guilty. Because it's easy to paint Svetlana as the fool her father once accused her of being. Because if you just took a snapshot of that moment 60 years ago, you'd find a crazed Russian woman stammering, screaming at Louis Fisher, the man who fucked her and then fucked her over. Maybe Svetlana's rage is more than just for Fisher. Maybe it comes from a lifetime of oppression, suppression, and betrayal. Maybe when she bashed her fist through the window, it was meant for all the people who encouraged her, who helped her find her voice, and then violated her at the same time. It's a cycle she seems to be trapped in. But what I love about Svetlana, and what I hope you'll love about her too, is that she still seems to have the optimism, the openness, the resilience to do it all over again. And despite everything, she still describes these years as her happiest ones in America. In the fall of 1969, Svetlana publishes her second book, 
only one year about her defection to America. It's a major accomplishment, the first book she set out to write with the intent to publish, the first book to assert that she, Svetlana, is just as interesting as her much-beguiled father. She might be a character in someone else's story, but damn it, she can also write her own. She's getting what she came here for. The world feels big and exciting. It's beckoning her. No, literally. You see, while most of her fan mail was from normal, ordinary Americans who were moved by the defecting daughter, there was one admirer who was far from ordinary. It started with one letter, then another, then another, then telegrams and gifts and phone calls, all coming from a very strange, very peculiar, very mysterious woman from the other side of the country, a place full of wonder and majesty, a place I like to call Scottsdale, Arizona, Jazz Hands. She was calling me six months. I was courted first by her since I was in Princeton, and she was inviting me and inviting me for six months. Finally, she called on the telephone, and I heard her voice. We are all waiting for you here. (laughs) 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 On the next episode of Svetlana Svetlana. Svetlana Svetlana is a production of iHeart Podcasts and The Documentary Group. I'm your host, Dan Katroser. The show is written and produced by me, Adam Weber, Allison Joy, and Catherine Isaac. We also serve as executive producers. At The Documentary Group, our executive producer is Joe Batsilowitz, with production oversight by Stacey Klieger and additional support from Tom Yellen and Gabrielle Tenenbaum. Our iHeart team is supervising producer Casey Pegram and executive producer Maya Howard, editing assistance from producers Christina Loringer and Joey Pat. Original music by Ilan Isakoff. Production counsel by Sloss Eckhouse Dasty Haynes Lawco. Clearance counsel by Ballard Spar. Fact-checking assistance by Megan Trout. Research assistance by Min Jae Kim. Special thanks to my husband, Jordan Siegel. Excerpts from Svetlana Aluyeva's book, 20 Letters to a Friend, are provided by Chris Evans and performed by Cassie Greer. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com slash compatibility.